Do you spend all of your time building and maintaining your business so that you achieve the success you envision? Do you feel frustrated, unfulfilled, and have a loss or disconnect from your creative flow? Are you a conscious leader that is ready for change when it comes to society's views on money, wealth, relationships, and what prosperity truly means? If so, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Provoking Prosperity Podcast. I am your host, Miranda Mitchell. I am a 2-4 manager who is here to empower and equip you to step out of the box of social norms, guide you into using your voice for inspiration and impact, and support you in finding what prosperity means for you so that you have the business and life that fulfills you. So grab that cup of coffee, get comfy, and get ready to hear the heartwarming and heart-wrenching personal stories, all things human design and jinkies, plus tangible practices that you can implement right now for your personal and business growth. Hey, Miranda. Where, when we first get into human design, in your opinion, where do we start in when we're looking at the centers? Our undefined centers or our defined centers in terms of deconditioning? Yes, I love that question. I feel that it doesn't really depend on if it's defined or undefined. I feel like there's certain aspects in societal norms that we have to ask ourselves are we conditioned in that aspect? And then look to see, okay, am I defined in that aspect or am I undefined in that aspect? So an example would be as an entrepreneur or as a business owner, am I living up or looking into societal norms of I have to go 100% in my business until I get to a certain amount of money where then I can take a break? I'm a managing. I have a defined cycle, right? So if I have that conditioning that I have to go 100% until I make a certain amount of money, I'm going to burn out my sacral center, even though it's defined. So I have to trust in responding, which is strategy and authority. So I would say then, are you following strategy and authority first? Mm-hmm. Notice where you have these beliefs about social norms and business and relationships or whatever it is. Look at your center, see if it's defined or undefined, and then work on those areas first. How does the the root play into that or even the will center in committing to things? That's very interesting. Yeah, the root I have defined. So for me, I definitely can, I can push through with adrenaline. I have a lot of adre- adrenaline. It goes to my spleen, it goes to my throat, sacral to root, to spleen to throat. So I have a lot of stuff there. But just because I can, and this is even with the will center, yeah. just because we can does not mean we should. If we're not following our strategy and we're not following authority and we feel like, well, I have the energy anyway, and we continue to push, 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 what will happen is then we're going to burn ourselves out anyway. So you're living in societal norms and not following your strategy. Mm-hmm. If you have a defined route or defined will, one of my favorite things to ask myself when something comes up is, Am I pushing with my will right now? Is this my willpower? Because mm-hmm. I know, I know 100% when it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I change the direction of what I'm doing? Can I say no? Can I put it off? And if not, how can I make sure I rest afterwards? Because just because I can doesn't mean I should. I'll yeah. burn it out. Yeah. And the same with the root, with the adrenaline. Are you following strategy? Did you follow strategy when you made this decision? And if you didn't, Okay, if you can't change the direction or the appointment or whatever it is, then do it, but then rest after and start Mm -hmm. to be more aware of when you're saying yes to things. How do you feel like we know when we're pushing an edge and growing and learning versus totally out of alignment and it's not, it's just not? (laughs) Well, all I can share is from my perspective. I feel like we have to embody things in the way that we share Mm -hmm. is through what we experience as. With my yoga teacher training, they always told us that if you're not doing the work and practicing it and doing it yourself, then you shouldn't be sharing it with others because you don't know how it affects you. Yeah. So if you're doing the work, you can share your perspective and see if people resonate with it or not, because some people will and some people won't. And that's okay because they're all different, all different parts. So... What was the question? How do we know that we're pushing an edge? Say it felt like strategy and authority was, yes, I'm going to commit to 90 days of showing up live on social media or whatever 
the like 3D thing is. But you get into it and you're like, mm, I don't want to do this anymore halfway through or a week in. I don't, I'm not lit up anymore. It's starting to push your edge. It's pushing you in some way that's making you feel uncomfortable. I feel like having the awareness when you make that choice is a priority. Knowing mm -hmm. I'm going to make this commitment to 90 days. I know that right now it excites me, but most likely within this 90 days, there's going to be a time when I don't want to do this. So am I going to make this commitment and do it? Or am I not going to make this commitment and do it for 30 days instead? I feel like having Love the that. awareness in the beginning, yeah, choosing, I know I'm going to have a resistance here and I'm choosing to do it anyway then that's your choice. You have your choice to not follow strategy in that way because you made a commitment to yourself. Yeah. But being honest with yourself in the beginning so that you know it's going to be a struggle at points, but I made a promise to myself. Mm. So that way you're not surprised when it comes up and you're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Because 90 days, yeah. I feel like is a long time it is. to make a commitment like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's self-awareness and being truthful with yourself. I love beginning. that. I love that. It's like setting a goal. You're setting a goal that you're going to do this thing. And do you really feel like it's you're capable of doing it? Like if you're super, super honest, can you all the way through? If you can't, you're like, mm, I'm definitely not going to be able to push through when it gets hard. Or you know, I know that there's holiday in the middle of that and it's going to mess everything up. And then I'm going to feel guilty and bad about it. So why don't I just do it until 60 days or whatever or 30 days? Whatever that. Right. And you know, something came up to me with that too, because that's self-sabotage. If you know yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. If you I mean, you know, you truly do know. If you ask yourself honestly, okay, yeah, am I gonna be able to do this for 90 days? And you make that commitment that you can and you you do it, great. But if in the beginning you're like, okay, I'll say I'll do 90 days, but I know it's not gonna really happen. Like that is setting yourself up to fail, basically. Mm -hmm. So you're setting yourself up knowing that you're gonna fail then you're proving to yourself that you can't follow through. You're setting those expectations yep. too high for yourself and then you're self-sabotaging yourself and then you're going to get down on yourself and I can't even follow through and all this type of stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, even though it was a self-fulfilling prophecy, you knew it in the beginning, but holy. And that's, um, I guess, would yeah. be being the brutally honest with yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can totally want to show up 90 days. I know I have this gut kind of like, that's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to fully happen. But then you say yes, because you're hoping it will happen. But you know, it's not going to happen. So be honest with yourself and say, okay, I know 90 days is not going to happen. I'm going to go for 60. Really be honest with yourself so that you are proving to yourself that you can do it. Not proving to yourself that you can't do it. Yeah. Because you want to feel that movement. You want to feel when you make these goals, you can do it because otherwise subconsciously you're creating the space of making these goals, knowing you're not going to do it. And I honestly, I feel like I've fallen into that trap. And I feel like this is a perfect conversation to have right at the end of the year, going into the new year and what you're setting your goals to and what you want the next year to look like. And it's not, I don't think playing small and what do you think is actually possible, but the commitment piece of different strategies and are you committed to showing up? Are you committed to doing the hard work and really, really being honest with yourself? I don't think I was ever honest with myself in the beginning. I would just set the goal and then I'd get partially into it and be like, I can't do this or self to have. And it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. I wasn't honest with myself. I knew it in the beginning that I wasn't going to follow through or that I didn't actually think I could do it. I love honesty with self because that helps you understand yourself more mm -hmm. be aware of yourself being truthful to yourself mm -hmm. um, always setting yourself up in a way that's going to support you and not make you fall back because mm -hmm. if we're constantly setting ourselves up with too much we constantly fall back then we feel like we can't attain anything. I think it even goes with the little steps. Start with little steps first and then go bigger. I remember when I started my podcast, I had three episodes that I was doing a week. And I knew it was going to be a lot. The first episode was very short. And I did it for a long time. 
And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot of editing. It's a lot of work. So I just showed up on my podcast and was like, okay, I tried this and it didn't work. I'm a manager and I'm going to twice a week. <laughs> so I owned it. I took responsibility. I tried this. I didn't fail because right now I'm readjusting. I'm informing because mm -hmm. as a manager, you have to inform and appreciation for yourself in informing, in being honest and readjusting and not feeling like you failed because you no longer could do the three times a week. Yeah. Yeah. I need the accountability just as much as the like, I know that I can do this. I'm setting this goal for myself. The fact that I have a VA that run that like puts the podcast together and uploads it and I'm paying her and she's relying on me and the money that I give her to do that for her family, right? I don't want to leave her out to dry just because I didn't feel like it someday <laughs> has been huge in me pushing through. And I say that loosely pushing through the, the times. I don't know what to talk about. I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it's just I'm being emotional about it or whatever. It has nothing to do with the actual mission of where I'm really going. It's just I'm bored with it or who knows what. Mm -hmm. Well, I love that you set up the VA because that's another way that you can work through that is if I'm doing this for 90 days, how can I set it up for those days that I know I'm not going to want to show up? Am mm -hmm. I going to do it with someone? Am I going to, is there something that I can do to continue to show up so that I am supported for those days that are a little bit more difficult where I can still continue to yeah. follow through yeah. even though it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And not blaming ADHD. <laughs> and yeah. Or just not doing it. Scattered brain because oh, I'm, I'm distracted. I didn't have time or whatever. I love the accountability part. Mm -hmm. It's been crucial. I wouldn't have a podcast if without her. Hands down. It wouldn't happen. You got a question in you. I know you do. Oh, you're going to put it on me now. <laughs> I see what you did just there. Okay. Let me feel into it. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So we were talking about accountability, first of all, when we're pushing through. We were talking about the defined and undefined center. So which is most important as far as the awareness of where we need right. deconditioning. So if we are talking about societal norms and expectations of what is expected of us as teachers, guides, coaches, entrepreneurs, what do you feel is an area that a lot of people try to strive for with the expectation of social norms in their business? Oh, open head, open ajna all day long. I mean, or defined. I feel like our society is so focused on how are you going to get there? Okay, it's smart goals to the max. You set this goal and you're going to make sure it's sustainable. I think it stifles creativity in a lot of ways, especially for the right-brained people of the world where we don't like that. I don't like setting smart goals because I feel like it it stifles my creativity. I don't leave anything to chance. I am trying to control everything. And I know that I am not the best person to control things. <laughs> things happen so much better when I loosen that grip and understand that there's so much I can't see and know about in any given moment. And it's not my job to figure out the how. I'm open head, open ajna. So really understanding that, what was I watching the other day where I was I noticed the open Ajna going haywire in it. I was like watching a marketing thing and they were talking about how to market. And I was going, oh, yeah, like this is totally, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And, like totally eating it up, right? Soaking it in. With And then I'm like, wait, just because that's working for them, just because that that makes sense to them doesn't mean that it's going to make sense for me and what I want to do. And so I have to filter it through my own strategy, authority, and definition and go, is this actually right for me? Is this actually in alignment or is it just something that I can observe, take away little bits and pieces, but know ultimately that my strategy is probably not going to be found out there. Well, the undefined head, undefined Ajna, or open head and Ajna, I can totally see how that would 
confuse people. The shiny object type syndrome, like, oh, this, 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 let me do all the things. And I remember yep. that in the beginning, I felt like I had to be everywhere and all things. And people even yep. said, yeah, all these platforms yep. and all this stuff. And it takes all of my time and it's so much work and it doesn't feel good and it's not fun. And it feels like I'm just bits and pieces everywhere and I can't go in depth in any areas. When you do feel that way in that undefined head or open head nausea, what is it that grounds you to know what is true for you? I have to step away from the desk and go for a walk. That's what I did yesterday. I got super into it and I could feel my own foundation shaking, my own understanding of what I know to be true and how I want to do things felt like it was shaking underneath of me. But a down stop and I went for a really long walk with two kids home all the time. That's a long time to be gone. Just mm -hmm. disappear. <laughs> and no headphones, no nothing. It's just me walking and getting back to my center, finding my truth and what I want to do and who I am and all of that. And came back from that walk with so many number one ideas of how I can make what I'm doing better, but also a grounding in that I can do it whatever way I want. I feel like every person has their own unique way of grounding into themselves. And you have mentioned your walks before and getting out in nature and just having yeah. time by yourself. And for me, it's more so breath work or meditation mm. or stillness where yeah. I'm just in my own energy and not listening. Sometimes I listen to some music, the ambient music or whatever, but more so it's about the breath or something like that. Mm. So that kind of clears out that yeah. clutter of all yeah. the noise. But also you do receive beautiful ideas from listening, but it has to be that yes and of. I'm going to listen. And even though my emotional solar plexus is like, yeah, I have to reground and know if it's for me. Yes. Right. That's I think that's great. And what about the defined head? I think they can get lost in that certainty as well, or almost get locked in to this is the only way it can be and have a really hard time breaking out of that, that they, there are other options. If they don't, the certainty of if I work really hard, I can have the thing that I want. There's that certainty that this is the way things work instead of realizing that, no, there is another way. There's other ways you can work and still receive what you want. It's almost like the undefined needs space alone to release and to ground into what they already truly know. Mm -hmm. And then the defined has to kind of somehow get all of the clutter, all the talk quiet mm -hmm. so that they can truly pinpoint that one. I'm wondering then if the, because I have noticed that the defined head in Ajna loves to be around the undefined head in Ajna because the defined is, like you said, so focused on their stuff that they don't open up to new perspectives of mm -hmm. other stuff. So when they're in that energy of the undefined, they receive that. Mm. Whereas the undefined has to go be by themselves. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of love pushing the defined people a little bit and going, is that the right perspective you want? Well, here's another perspective. <laughs> yeah, because I can totally yeah. see how they get stuck. Mm -hmm. It's like you get stuck in that one thing. And it's not that you're not hearing or not listening. It's just that you're so focused on that one thing that you don't hear the other possibilities. Whereas I if you opened up, you would be like, oh my gosh, that's a wonderful idea. I totally see it with my daughter who has a defined adnajna and she, she focuses in on something and like, this is the way, this is her perspective on the situation. And there's no other option. There's no, no other way that it could be. Like, there's a lot of ways it could be, sweetheart. <laughs> and pointing <laughs> And pointing out different perspectives of that situation so that it opens her up to not just her one poignant way that she thinks it has to be. Yeah. I love that awareness. I'm all, I'm mostly around people that have open-headed or undefined hidden ajnas. And my ajna is totally open. Mm -hmm. So I feel like things just like are gone. You know, so I have to, I have to like ground into my own silence so I can hear it because otherwise I don't get, catch it. What do you feel about 
the the G center undefined? You know, it's interesting because I have a defined G center and there's definitely been a period in my life right around that Saturn return. Maybe that's a sixth line identity crisis too, but it felt like I didn't know who I was. And, but I've always known that I am lovable. I feel like lovability is a huge piece of the G center. And I've always known that hasn't been an issue. It's like the direction of where am I going? What am I doing? I don't have, it keep changing my mind. What is wrong with me? Like all of that. I think even as a defined G was a struggle for a period of time. Mm. Do you have the, because in the G centers, the love gates and the direction gates. Do you know if you have more love gates or direction gates? You know, I haven't looked into that. That might be something to look yeah. at. Because you said that you always know you're lovable. So maybe you have more definition within the love gates and not as many in the direction. Activation direction. That might make sense. I have the undefined G. Um, I think I have two gates that are direction and one gate that is love, I think, which makes sense because I've always had somewhat of a direction. I do feel like when I get wrapped up in people that have the defined G, I do lose myself if I'm not aware. If I don't have enough alone time to ground into who yeah. I am first, yeah, I definitely lose who I am. Mm -hmm. And I kind of have a little bit of direction, but the lovability part, no. Mm -hmm. The lovability part for me, understanding who I am, if I could be loved, if anyone would even love me because I don't even know who I am because I keep changing, I keep morphing, and I keep, I'm this person around this person and this person around this person. Like, I don't even know who I am. For the love part in putting yourself out there as an entrepreneur, if you don't know confidently if who you are who your yeah. identity is how are you going to trust that you are being authentic you are going to change all the time but i think that's also the beauty of the g center is that you do change and that's okay but it's also it's being okay with that too and not feeling like i mean everybody tells us you should you should know who you are and it shouldn't change like your identity oh is the same throughout your entire life which is such bullshit tell that to undefined g and you have a person that is suicidal because they keep changing all the time yeah yeah and then even getting down on yourself because i mean you have an undefined g and a manager and come on are you going to be changing and doing all the different things all the time then you think something's wrong with you what is wrong yeah. with me why can't i settle why can't i yeah. stick to one thing why do i act this way around one person why do i it's yeah, yeah, the lovability part for the undefined is a real thing. Yep. That yeah. is another thing for me is alone time. Mm -hmm. Asking, like, how am I feeling today? Who am I? How do... So then that way, when I come into the aura of like you that has the defined, I know who I am. I feel grounded in who I am. I can use your energy to identify it with it, but it's not what I become. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm not grounded, I become that. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Mm -hmm. And you take on their, do you feel like you take on their values, their beliefs, some of those things? Or what do you feel like you take on if you're not grounded in who you are? I don't feel like I take on their beliefs because I have a totally open eye. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My beliefs are like, I think people think I'm a little weird sometimes with some of the things I believe, which we've talked about. Now, the identity part in who I feel like I should be mm. as my persona of my business or right. in my relationships or in my friendships, who I should be, I can feel like I take those on some more sometimes. Yeah. And then I have this guilt or shame that that's not truly who I am and it mm -hmm. should be who I am because mm -hmm. I'm that energy in if that makes sense mm -hmm. it's almost like if somebody is like super bubbly and like dancing on um instagram stories all the time you're like i should be like that i should want to do that and you're like oh god i don't want to do that that's not who i am but you feel this pressure and a guilt that yeah there's this cognitive dissonance between those two things yeah or if you're with someone and you're dancing on instagram together and then you're in your own essence and you go home and look at it and I'm like, what the hell was I doing? <laughs> like, why was I doing that? 
It was fun with them, but no. That is not me. But that's funny. Which is my experience. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So you take on people's identity and you don't know it. Mm -hmm. And then you see yourself and you're like, why did I do that? That wasn't, it wasn't me. I wasn't being authentic. I was embodying them, which you said it is a gift, especially in the coaching realm, because to be able to take in other people's identity and to truly understand them more than they think, you know, I just know things. That I know that I, I'm like, should I just ask this question? Because I already know the answer. You know? And yeah. I've had people tell me that. But it's also like, you can't use that. You have to give them the space to just open up. I get to embody that and witness that. But sometimes it's it's a lot of pressure sometimes to know those things. Do you feel like asking the right question to help them come to the conclusion on their own? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. 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 And there's been a couple of well, times within my family or friendships when I just say it right out loud. I'm like, don't you mean that this, this, and this? And they're like, oh, yeah. So I truly do feel like that's a superpower, even though it's been a struggle for most of my life. Now that I understand it, I truly get to know people. And I, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that because what a gift to really know people and know, even know their insecurities without them knowing it. You know, and just holding that space for them to be able to express it because you understand. The open centers are the wisest places that we hold. Hold. I know the wisest places that we hold when we do the deconditioning. Yes. We've mentioned the conditioning of societal norms. Yeah. I feel like that is priority first. What expectations, what judgments do I have? What am, what am I putting on myself? That is not true and accurate for me that I truly don't believe. I'm conditioning myself to believe. Mm-hmm. And then going into the undefined yeah. and clearing out all the clutter of mm-hmm. beliefs and expectations so that you can open up to those possibilities of, oh, wow, I have an undefined G. I actually get to witness all of these beautiful people in a way that I get to support them and hold space for them. And it's not me. Mm-hmm. And then they feel like you see them because you truly do see them. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that if you're conditioned. You can't no. do that if I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know myself. I don't love myself. I don't know who I am. Like if I'm sitting there thinking that, how am I going to hold space for someone else? You're not. I feel like a lot of the work I do, people come to me wanting me to kind of tell them what their message is and tell them what is going to be that thing, right? And while I can do that, so many of them are still stuck in that story and stuck in what has happened in the past or stuck in the conditioning, stuck in the cultural norms, all of that, that even when I say, here's what your energy is saying and here's how you can show up in a more authentic way, it still feels like a wool sweater in the middle of summer because they, they, they're still wearing the old stuff. Usually what that is, is they, there's fear. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be fear that invulnerability. Oh, if I'm truly authentic in myself, what if no one loves me? What if mm-hmm. people don't like me? What if they retaliate? What if no one wants to work with me? Yep. There's that vulnerability where you can stay safe. If someone tells you what to do and it didn't work, yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't hurt as much. It's not you. Exactly. Ooh, that's mm-hmm. a big one, I think. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. If someone tells us what to do, then yeah. if it doesn't work, then we're okay with it because it wasn't us. It wasn't our vulnerability. It wasn't any of that. Someone else told me what to do. Mm-hmm. But if I was vulnerable and shared myself and no one showed up, all on me. That's good. Yep. Oh, and I can totally relate to that. In my getting in my journey, I 100% laid it out there for people that like I'm looking for the thing that's going to make me successful or whatever and not taking ownership over my own experience, my own thoughts, my own beliefs and, and just waiting for someone to fix it for me. Well, you had the provocation, so we're going to work on that stuff. <laughs> I've done a lot of work on it, trust me. But I know I can go deeper 
But now I own, I own my shit. I own every experience that I have, good, bad, or otherwise. And I honestly, I think I can hold people in that because I walked through it. When mm -hmm. you hire the coach and you feel like it was a ripoff or you didn't get what you paid for, been there. It was because I didn't own my shit. <laughs> but yeah, I wanted that. them to tell you. Wanted them to tell you what to do so you could follow their programming yeah. and become successful. But yeah. that wasn't you. That was them. I mean, there's so much intertwined stuff in there of, and maybe the whole experience was just for me to observe what they were doing and not actually do the whole thing. Although I have noticed if I do the whole, if I'm committed and I do the process of whatever that was, which have been different things in the past, but do someone's whole process, I 100% have success with it. It's just, then I'm at the end, I'm like, I don't, I actually didn't really love that. I'm going to go do something else now. Well, do you feel like you take bits and pieces of what you did Absolutely. like? Absolutely. Now I do. Yeah. Now I can look back and go, I'm taking that and that has served me and that piece has served me and that piece has served me. And I mean, seven years later, I, I know a lot because I did all that stuff. And I think that's very important to kind of preface there because I, I had the same experience when working with people. I had an expectation of what it was going to be like. But then as soon as I went through the process, there were certain aspects I was like, mm. I don't mm -hmm. really like that. I don't, yeah. that doesn't feel good, but I really love this. Mm -hmm. So I've always learned that you never know what you're going to walk away with when you choose yes. to have an experience with a coach or a mentor or anything like yeah. that. I but if you know you're going to walk away with what you needed and you trust mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. then you go with an open mind and open heart and you receive exactly what you need. Yeah. Although it's not what you think most likely that you need. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that from yoga, actually, because there was a yoga teacher that I absolutely loved. And I showed up to the class. It was a guest yoga teacher. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to work with this teacher. But then I made the, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to show up. I'm going to let things go. And I'm going to receive whatever it is in that moment that I need. Mm -hmm. And there was always something that I was like, wow, that mm -hmm. was amazing. This is what I took from it. So every experience whether it's something that you expect is going to look like something or it's not, if you open yourself up to receive what you're supposed to receive, you're there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Are you going to let yourself receive that or are you going to be stuck in the expectation of what you thought you were going to receive and not receive anything because you're so close-minded? So well That's said. That's that totally open ajna. So well <laughs> said. No, I feel like every experience is... Especially if it's like sacral led, I know I need to be doing this. This excites me. This feels like the next step. I'm open to whatever it has to show me. And whatever is coming through is exactly what I need. And it's up to me of whether or not I'm going to pay attention to what that lesson is or pay attention to what it's trying to tell me. And most of the time, it's not what we expect or what we think we want. No, no, no. Because that's our mind. That's our conditioned mind based on our experiences and our beliefs of what we know. Mm -hmm. And if you open up to different possibilities, you receive things that your mind couldn't comprehend before. Yeah. So how are you going to comprehend things if you haven't learned it before? All mm -hmm. your mind is telling you is what you've already experienced or what you think you should experience. Mm -hmm. So if you open up to receive whatever it is supposed to be, then you're opening up your mind and your perspective in a more expansive way. Beautifully said. Yep. Any other centers that we don't want to go into? Well, the emotional solar plexus is one of my favorites. Yeah. Now, let's go there. Especially with the defined emotional solar plexus. I feel like <clears throat> there's so much here. So the defined, I feel like so many people have the the emotional wave. And the people that I've been working with, a lot of them really struggle with the lows of the mm -hmm. emotional wave. Because of conditioning. Yep. Because when they were younger, either people said, what is wrong with you? Snap out of it. Like, you need to be high vibe. You know, something's, yep. something's wrong with you if you're feeling those deep emotions. Yep. <clears throat> and I've been working with a lot of people with the emotional wave. And I've noticed that when you support people in the lower expression of the emotions, 
they actually move through that lower expression, first of all, much quicker. Yep. With love and compassion for themselves. Yep. And are very creative. Mm. So that is where they dive into either the, their art, their music, mm. their creativity, their writing is in the depths of the mm. low. Mm. And what has been happening is because everyone has been saying, what's wrong with you? Snap out of it. You need to be high vibe. They're limiting their creativity, which is then going to make that low even heavier because they're creatives. They can't so, express it. They need to get it out. And to love the process oh. of the low. Like to really, I'm in my low. What do I get to what do I get to do for myself now? Do I get to be by myself? Do I get to do I get to paint? Do I get to read? Do I go for a walk? It's more so like I get to. What mm-hmm. do I get to do within this space? Mm-hmm. So and I I truly feel, and I've mentioned this before, I truly feel. That most of society, and I was one of them, I have a four line, I have lots of fours in my jinkies. So a lot of fours has to do four lines is heart service area. Yep. It also has to do with coldness as far mm-hmm. as protection, mm-hmm. numbness. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as there is something that I feel like it's going to hurt, I can feel my heart just flows, yeah. flows and it's cold. I can say the things without any feeling, none at all. And I feel like a lot of people are so numb in the world because they don't want to feel. Mm. They've been told you're emotional. They've been told that being emotional is wrong, that Mm -hmm. crying is wrong, that Mm -hmm. anger is wrong, that all of these things are scary and that we need to suppress them. And because of that, we're so closed. Mm-hmm. But what if the creatives with their art and opening up to music and love actually starts to open those feelings so that we actually connect with people and life and nature at a deeper level? Mm-hmm. Then humanity heals through love. It's not closed. It's not hard. It's not cold. Mm-hmm. It's not numb. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people are so afraid to feel. And I can relate to that. <laughs> you don't want to feel love because, well, if I love too much, it's too much. And what if I get hurt? Mm-hmm. What if they don't love me as much as I love them? Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel pain because it hurts. I don't want to feel fear because it's scary. I don't want to feel like someone left me because it's abandonment. And it means I'm not lovable. But what if we actually embraced all the feels? And felt it, like actually felt it. And I've done this a few times now. Have you read the book Existential Kink? No, but I will say so much stuff is coming up for me about kink and all the stuff that I think I should. You should. I haven't read the whole book. I've only read like, I mean, classic me. I read like the first third of the book and then I'm on to something else. But I, I was actually, it was audio. I looked into the first third of it. And it was basically it saying that if we can tr- just like really feel it like you would, like she talks about getting off to it, right? It's it's talking about just feeling it deeply all the way through in your entire body. It allows it to pass through your body and out. And the few times that I did it, it was wild. Number one, it felt like it would all consume you for about half a second. It felt like like your whole body was just going to implode. But then (laughs) it's wild. (laughs) And then I'd sink into it even deeper and then it would pass. And I would feel like I would feel lighter and be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like it just it like came in and passed through and left and it was done. There was nothing else to mull over in my head like it was just done and I'm like and how was your creativity afterwards that's a good question I I didn't pay attention to that so I don't know it's making me want to go mm, maybe I should do that some more or with anything else that's feeling sticky and fearful or whatever angsty face it head on yep let yourself yep. embrace it experience it fully mm-hmm. and then notice 
how you feel afterwards, either that night or the next day. How's your creativity? How's your creative mm-hmm. flow? How are you feeling about yourself? Mm-hmm. Because when you're speaking of that, there was many instances that in the last few months that have come up for me with diving, like going full force into experiencing and feeling and whatever emotion mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, the next day, total creative, like easy, light, fun, so much more. And it's because of the repression and restriction of actually not letting yourself feel. Yeah. It's actually making me think of my son because he's a defined emotional and he has emotional waves for sure. It's very obvious when he does. And he doesn't, he knows that he's upset, but he can't put words to it. It's just, he's upset. No other words. How do you feel like with kids and supporting them in going to those steps and feeling it and being able to express it in some way? I feel like it, it, his is anger. It, mm. ang- and so anger turns into violence. And that is a boundary for me. But how can you express that anger without it turning into violence? And not in he's so I'm not teaching him to suppress it. I'm teaching him to just feel it, feel it to the depths and then just let it go. Mm-hmm. So are you giving him the opportunity to like punch something, whether it be yeah, like boxing or kicking or screaming or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Because that is so important not to keep inside. Because if you do keep that inside, it's going to stay in your cells. Mm-hmm. As long as he's physically able to express and move through that, Mm-hmm. then it should be able to move through it a lot quicker. Yeah. And then maybe talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. He really does not like talking about his emotions. Well, that means there's something there then. Yeah. And yeah. Wh- so what is it that he, why doesn't he like to talk about it? Is it because he feels bad that he mm-hmm. has these emotions? Mm-hmm. Because right there, if he's feeling guilty and bad, that is a belief about himself that he's angry. Mm-hmm. And he feels bad about how angry he is. So he has, so he's, he's keeping that in. Right. Right. There's some, there's some exploring and work to do there. And yeah. even just saying, and being angry is not bad. Yeah. Being angry. And we do talk about not, that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. It's, if you don't know, that's okay. You can be mad. That's fine. Because mm-hmm. angry, I know. Anger is a huge one as far as fear. A lot of people, Mm -hmm. and I, one of them, with having a lot of, like, there was yelling when I was growing up, domestic violence, domestic violence for me personally. Yeah. When people yell or or someone, like, gets in my face, I am, like, like, anger, like, fight or flight, head on. I'm ready to fight. (laughs) So, there. (laughs) But it's because that, that awareness that... This is fear that I had lived with for so long that now I jump into this fight or flight of anger to mm. protect myself. Mm. And the thing that that was interesting for me was like, I'm angry, so something's wrong with me. People are scared of me rather than I needed this to protect myself. Mm. So how can I have love and compassion and work through this anger Knowing that it's not me being angry is more so a, a response that I needed to protect myself. And how can I release that mm-hmm. now in a loving and safe way so that when this happens, my fight or flight doesn't kick in? Mm-hmm. You're not as triggered. It's funny because when people would talk about emotions before, I would always tune in to crying and being emotional and yeah. all that never associated anger. Mm-hmm with emotions because it scared me Mm. and because I knew that there was stuff with anger yeah and I suppressed it yeah because other people's reaction Mm -hmm. so that's a huge talk about Mm -hmm. no I definitely agree there's a lot of anger (laughs) there's anger of not being seen when you're a child Mm -hmm. or of not being heard of you Mm -hmm. be seen not heard there's anger of I feel like Children, at least at my age, were they weren't respected. Like I respect my yeah. daughter. I honor yeah. what she says to me. Whereas when I was a child, what I said did not matter. No. At all. And there's anger of like not being valued yep. there, not being a human being at that point yep. in time, being yep. less than. 
So there's a lot of anger that comes from a long time ago. So of course there's going to be a lot of anger. And I think we're just coming to a whole new level of understanding of emotions in the recent decade. <laughs> and yeah, we, I agree. Yeah. I mean, we're doing the work ourselves and simultaneously trying to hold the space and teach our children at the same time. And that's, that's heavy work. It's a lot. I find it exhausting sometimes. I also feel like when we do the work, we don't even really have to express it to our children a lot because they just see it. Emotions, mm-hmm. beautiful emotions, time to feel those emotions. So love to ask the audience, what is the emotion that you have suppressed most? And what was and why? Like, what was the area in your life that you created this belief or had an experience that made you feel like you couldn't express this emotion? And then how have you created your entire life around suppressing that emotion? Mm -hmm. Because that means you're not authentic. And I don't want to say that in the way that's like, you're not authentic. It means that you've you've suppressed yourself, that you are living out of alignment of who you truly are because suppressing a certain emotion because of the experience or a belief that you had about that emotion. Yeah, you are you can't be the fullest expression of who you are if that's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love feedback on that. Yeah. DM either one of us. Have, Talk about yeah. it. Like tag us. I'd love to hear that. Yes. Oh. I think for me, mine was anger. Yeah. 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 Mine was no. That's, mine was everything. I like I didn't cry for a long time. It took me like forever to cry in front of people. So first it was the crying, the vulnerability. That was the first step. Mm-hmm. Now I'm currently working on the realization that anger is okay. Mm-hmm. Because I've had people tell me when you get mad that you're scary. So I would always hold it in and not get mad because I didn't want to scare people. But the real question is, why am I scary? That's the real question. What is it that I'm holding so deep in that I become scary when anger comes about i think mine is sadness Mm. being or disappointment just sadness disappointment kind of thing i wasn't allowed to be sad or disappointed yeah and i think i've released a lot of that i do i i would say the through my 20s early 30s I would just cry for no reason, just cry, like heaving, sigh, like just cry uncontrollably. And then I would feel so much better. And I've noticed my daughter does the same thing. She will just cry for no reason. I'll just cry sad, the sadness coming out of her, just pouring out of her. And all I have to do is sit there, let her cry. And she gets to the end, goes to bed, and she's a different kid when she wakes up. Yeah, it's sadness and sadness over. I don't even know. It's just sadness and disappointment over whatever. Well, that always brings me back to epigenetics because we always, I was talking to someone the other day about guilt. And I explained to them that when you're working through the suppression of your voice and then you start speaking and you start feeling guilty for some of the things that you say that it's going to be something that shows up for you numerous times Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's not only your guilt, it's also the past ancestors' guilt. Yep. Yeah. You're doing the work of your ancestors every time that comes up. And to never think that you're going backwards or you're not moving if guilt shows up because there's many layers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think initially I did feel that way. Like, like, God, is this again, this again? But now I definitely understand. And even seeing it in my daughter, like she's just, she's got a layer of it to clear herself mm-hmm. and just sit there. Like, I'll take the crying all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yelling. <laughs> Do you speak about it afterwards? Yeah. I mean, and she's, I mean, she's 10 now. She can articulate. She's like, I don't know why I'm crying. I'm just going to cry. I just feel like crying. And she wails. And I was never permitted to do that, at least that I recall. So I just sit there and like, okay, cry, get it out, do whatever you need to do. You follow your body. Your body knows best. And afterwards, she's like, I don't know. I just wanted to cry. Like, okay, 
right there. Mm-hmm. You're helping support her in the deconditioning, both for you and her. No, so I love that because I think that's the awareness of those patterns and yeah. the awareness of like where we have conditioning with the divine and undefined. Yeah. It really gives us the opportunity to hold space yeah. for whoever mm-hmm. it is, what age it is. It's just the awareness and then letting yourself become that messy that you need to be to release. Yeah. Letting it be messy. Mm-hmm. I love the messy. <laughs> you have it all put together. I know that's not real, but you know, there's there some, messy. some messy in there. <laughs> there's definitely some messy under there. Yes. 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 Oh, this was beautiful. A wonderful conversation, Miranda. Thank you so much. As always, I love talking with you. Me too. I always walk away with so much goodness. Yeah. Also, just to mention to everyone, we're, we are creating a mini mind together where we're going to go into the voice, deconditioning aspects yeah. of the centers, becoming clear on who you are, expressing yourself, feeling the uncomfortable, and then bringing that new awareness of who you are into the copy for your business. Yeah. That is coming about in the new year. Right now, we're just getting together, getting to know each other, chatting, feeling into each other, expressing. But we just want to see that again. It is yeah. coming. So if you guys have questions, please let us let us know. Or even if you have ideas or insights, we're always open to receive definitely. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think that this, what we're doing is, it's for the person that is scared to be that authentic self. There, There's something edgy, really edgy about it. They don't want to show up. They don't want to put themselves out there because something could happen, whether that be opinions or judgment from other people or just who knows. It just feels scary. And that's that's really who this container is for, is to really understand why that feels so scary for you. And then coming out with who your authentic self is. And being uncomfortable in that space. Yeah. 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 Because there's a process to like, you may think like for me, I felt like, oh, I know who I am. But then as I do deeper layers, I'm like, well, I only had my toe out there. There's a lot more. <laughs> oh, yeah. I definitely feel like that. Like you think that you're being and you're like, no, there's so much more. There's so much more. And it's okay to like, yeah. I'm just going to say it is okay to be too much. It is mm-hmm. okay yeah. to be that person. And we have been so conditioned that not to be too much. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? It's time to be too much because then you're going to attract those people that really want to step into who they are authentically. Mm-hmm. So it's for yeah. those that are fearful, that those that may not know who you are and those that kind of know who you are, but want to be more out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, Miranda. All right. I'll see you guys later. My hope is that you walked away with something today that has opened your mind, your heart, or both. Listening to new perspectives not only help you grow and expand, but it helps humanity as a whole. So if you have someone that you feel would benefit from this podcast and you feel that you want to share, please do. Also, would love to connect with you on Instagram. So please follow me at Miranda J. Mitchell. One last thing, if this episode left you with any ahas and insights, take 30 seconds of your time and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This is the only way I know you are loving the content and connection in this space. And if you want to know more or wondering how we can work together, please go to Miranda-Mitchell.com. Click on the contact in the menu and send me a message. Sending you all love. Till next time.